You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 447, the quiz of startling enormity, you look great for your age and other compliments to avoid, and Kid A at 20, what's the deal with Radiohead? That's all coming up after Evelyn Champagne King and Love Come Down. an earwormy top 10 this would surely be right up there uh, number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100 number 7 here in the UK from 1982 and the album Get Loose uh, Evelyn Champagne King and Love Come Down that is excellent I do like Evelyn Champagne King in general and I like the idea of an album called Get Loose that's really cool I um, yeah Get Loose with Evelyn yeah why not eh I was wondering probably today she's uh, possibly known as Evelyn Prosecco King <laughs> um, Absolutely. I mean, also, <laughs> bless her. Also, perhaps prosecco is seen as being more prestige than champagne now. Anyway, it's more appealing to the masses. So maybe, maybe she's got moved with the times. <laughs> Evelyn Craft Beer um, King, <laughs> presumably next week. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. Uh, raise the bunting and release the doves because it's episode 447. I'm Terence Stackham and I've just sent a, a drone up to check if she's having a picnic in the Peak District. Uh, no, it's OK. She's safely at home in Sussex. It's Juliet Harris. 
Thank you. Hello. Although, actually, I think you'll find I'm having a barbecue in Scotland. No, I'm, I'm really not going anywhere, I promise. And I hope those doves that you've released are two metres apart from each other, Terence. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, yes, uh, they, they, they've been socially isolating all week in preparation. They have. They've been distancing, yeah, yeah. physically distancing, socially isolating. All these words in our vocab we did not have a month ago. Now for the quiz. It's, it's the quiz that's so popular. It's thinking of making a late bid and running against Trump and Biden in the autumn. Um, it's definitely a write-in, I think. <laughs> at the time we record this, uh, much of the human population of the world has been advised, or indeed instructed, now to stay at home. Um, so stay, yeah, stay at, at home. home. Yeah, don't go out, people. Stay at home and listen to us. And as this is four hundred and whatever it was, I'm 47. sorry, I was most. That's right. I was mostly listening. Um, uh, there's loads for you to catch up on. Loads well, and loads indeed. and loads. You, you, you know, they're, they're about, they vary in length. They're on average about 40, 45 minutes long. You know, six in a day. Why not? You, you <laughs> can't have too much of a good thing. I'll leave it to you to decide whether or not we are a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I endorse your recommendation. Um, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, our quiz this week, it reflects all of that. And the theme is things to do with home or buildings. Ooh. OK. Um, five clips of songs in 30 seconds. Ten points on offer. Uh, seven for a win this week, I think. Oh, nice. Uh, OK, thank you. One point One point for the artist, one for each song. Uh, the contestants... Who the contestants are, Terence? Well, I need yeah. to know who they are. OK, I've got it on my notes here. It's on the cue cards. The contestants this week are you, the listener... And you, the Juliet Harris, so quite a this surprise. Is into, this is turning into quite the grudge match, isn't it? <laughs> it really is a sort of a, a healthy rivalry. Now, no help from the studio audience, please. No, absolutely. Um, so bring on the giant jukebox and let's see if you can identify these five elements to do with home or buildings. <laughs> Architects make a man, architects make a man, never change your point of view. There's always something happening, and it's usually quite loud. She said she'd always be a dancer. She worked at 15 clubs a day. So some, some uh, maybe uh, quite straightforward there, some um, not so... Um, I'm hoping you'll get your seven out of ten here. Let's see how you get on. Well, thank you very much. Let I hope <laughs> to. Um, let's uh, let's see where we are. So the first one is the the home link is the doors, which yes. is very very spry of you. Well done, Terence. And that is Riders on the Storm, um, which is a, a superb song. Thank you. Uh, th th this is an excellently themed round, by the way. Well done, you are as fiendish <laughs> as ever. This is Pink Floyd, who have no connection to housing or buildings. No. However, another brick in the uh... wall definitely does. So that is superb. Now, the now, next one... I thought you might struggle on this one. I don't know. It, it sounds like Simon and Garfunkel. It is Simon and Garfunkel. I thought it might be outside your comfort zone. Um, and I'm struggling to know what the song is. Okay. Um, I am going to say, I don't think it is, but fitting with the theme, I'm going to guess at Homeward Bound. No, no, it's, a, it's a, a, to do with an architect. I don't know. Oh, oh, so long, oh, it's so long Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, I'm going to give you half a point half begrudgingly a point. there, because that was a big yeah. nudge. That's from it the was. album Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yes, that is that was a really that, tough one. That I'm is thinking, really tough, yeah, actually. Tough. Yeah, no, fair it, enough. That's why I'm giving you but, one and a half points. So I'm giving you one for Simon yeah. Garfunkel, half a point for Frank Lloyd. Yes, but I've got a big nudge. That's fair enough. Um, uh, the government's nudge unit getting involved there, I assume. Um, number four, um, Our House by Madness. Yes. And Did finally... That, that I share my town of birth with Suggs from Madness? No, I thought he was a oh. Londoner through and through. I believe he was born in Hastings, or there is at least a Hastings connection, because when Hastings Pier reopened to much fanfare a few years ago, Madness played the opening because because of Suggs's. Um, yeah, Suggs was born in Hastings, That's so nice. who knew, eh? This is a, a he was born in Hastings. Um, 
and uh, he was right, actually raised here. And then he went off to, uh, he was in Haverford West for a bit, according to this, and then went to North London. But yes, he spent his very early years in, in the outgood town of Hastings. So yes, indeed. Anyway, moving on from that mm-hmm. rather boring kind of flight of... <laughs> flight of uh, Flight of disconnection. Number five, uh, your fabulous Beatle boys, and she came in through the bathroom window. Bathroom window. So we've got Doors, Brick, Frank Lloyd Wright, House, and Bathroom Window. <laughs> I think the Frank Lloyd Wright thing is is reaching a little bit, but I admire <laughs> its ambition. I think that is fabulous. <laughs> so... And I haven't, you know, there's been a lot of tunes written about um about uh, Sir Norman Foster or Richard Rogers, have there really? So, so fair enough. Or, or, or R.I.P. Zaha Hadid as well. So, uh, or, or uh, um, is her name Zaha Hadid, or am I confusing her by someone else? No, I think the, that's, um, that's the lady, isn't it? Yeah. Name, isn't it yeah so uh so yeah I, I, maybe my isolation project is to write a, an album of songs inspired by modern day architects <laughs> to uh, sit alongside frank lloyd wright nine and a half out of ten very good oh, really really thank I, you I, I wonder if any listener managed to beat you on that done possibly but never mind frank may have speared it for many people i think Indeed, yes. Simon and Garfunkel, actually, they've gone through the most fractious relationship. They have more breakups and reunions than any couple I can think of. They're they're like the (laughs) Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton of the music business. Yeah, that's a nice metaphor. Well done. But, you know, the planned albums that never materialise, concert tours ending in acrimony. Um, every time they seem to get together for a tour, it ends with them not speaking for a decade well, afterwards. But badly, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 50 years this year since they made... I think this is something that we probably all... I certainly had forgotten. That, that they only made five albums, and the last of them was in 1970, um, which was Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yeah. So 50 years, and the whole album recorded in two weeks but uh, no they'll never get together again now uh, what a what a you know if that is your last album mm. what a way to finish you know what what a you know how are they going to make that even better really and i yeah. i i reminded of knowing when to stop i think is such mm. a hard thing for musicians and i i was reading recently um i i had a bit of a craze on i think we might have talked about it on the podcast mm. of um uh, sort of female members from from uh, sort of going solo from girl bands um, and having a sort of underrated pop careers. I think I chose a Nicola Roberts tune um, oh, of Girls Aloud yes. for that that um, that beat of the drum thing. And Siobhan um, Donaghy, who was in the original lineup of Sugar Babes, um, did a so did a couple of solo records, and one was was absolutely brilliant called Ghosts and. When she and the original lineup of Sugar Babes got back together a few years later, she was asked by an interviewer, oh, "Do you know? Do you want to make any more solo records?" And she said, "No, I made the one I wanted to. It was called Ghost. It was really good. I won't do oh. one that's better than that. So I'm not going to make any more records." And I thought, oh, I wish more people had that took that attitude about their work when they go, "Yeah, that record was really good. I've done everything I want to. I don't suppose I'll make one that's better than that. Why try?" And <laughs> I, really, I really admire that. I think knowing knowing when you kind of reached your peak and not wanting to kind of sully it is a, is a really underrated skill so uh, so I admire Simon and Garfunkel like you say it might have been a personal thing where they just couldn't work together anymore but at least you know that that was the best record they made and I mean they made, all of their albums are great I think but that was genuinely it, it, you know it's a classic for a good reason and I love the fact that they've just decided they're not going to do any more and he's just saying yeah fair play I think maybe Artie regrets the lost years more than Paul Simon, yeah. his solo career has just been as, as successful, if not more so. But I think Artie may look back and think, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it was more yeah, compromising. Yeah, maybe. But who knows, yeah. Coming right up, when is a compliment not a compliment? That, <laughs> uh, when it comes to the mouth of babes, yeah. You know, that's next, right after Blur.
very cheery tune, which I'm always, always happy to hear. And, and, and again, speaking of people, artists' kind of views on their work, I find Blur very dismissive of their only of their sort of early work. Um, that came from There's No Other Way came from Leisure, their debut album, which is probably their least satisfying, I think. Um, there are some things in it that are really good, and there are some things in it which are really sort of forgettable and throwaway. And they're very critical of tunes from that era and the sort of B-sides of, of the singles from there and Modern Life is Rubbish. There's one song called Badgeman Brown, which I really don't find offensive. It is an inoffensive kind of cheery pop. And they hate it. Graham mm. Coxon has gone on record as saying it is the worst song they've ever made. And again, some of those early, they hate Bang, which is another single from that, that album, Leisure. And, I, you know, I quite like it. It's not great, but it's, it's not, I don't think it's dreadful. It's, you know, it's, it's cheery enough. Um, so I always thought, yeah, like you say, I find it strange sort of people viewing their own work necessarily with with disdain when it's not deserved and artists are often seem to be the poorest judgment of their, their of their own work which is why when people like Simon and Garfunkel and uh, and, and Siobhan Donahue press the, press the stop button you think actually yeah that's I, that's sort of it's 40 Towers syndrome isn't it 40 Towers is mm. rightly viewed as a classic because there is so little of it there are two series and that's it it stops and so it's always preserved in time as this kind of perfect little box set but anyway I'd, I'm happy to defend Blur's earlier work even if they weren't defended themselves i think i think you know they they struggled for an identity and they kind of got pasted into a baggy corner for a bit but you know i think that's perfectly good yeah i, I like that there's this as a cool psychedelic feel to it i'm about i'm about 30 years behind with blur i didn't give them much <laughs> attention in the 90s but i think the years are kind to them so i, I you know i agree i'm surprised that they they don't look back kindly with their earlier work and uh, that still sounds uh, great today Absolutely. I have more of a problem with the last album they produced, The Magic Whip, which is right up there with Sleeta Kinney's latest in terms of albums that I've found so fundamentally disappointing as to be almost heartbreaking in the kind of the sort of the, the, the diminishing returns thing. But I think a lot of Blur's records, like you say, really do stand up. They're B-sides as well. They they had a sort of a reissue campaign a couple of years ago, and it's all available on, well, you can buy it in sort of various fancy box sets. But for people like you who who treat my collecting of such things with disdain yes. you can go onto itunes and uh, and the, all of the expanded deluxe versions are on are on itunes including all the b-sides and there's loads of stuff which if you dig into you think it i, I think it's brilliant i think i picked people in europe um, on on the podcast ages ago which is a b-side from part life which is just it's great most bands would release that as a kind of a daft throwaway single i mean there's a there's a lot of depth to blur and a lot going on under the surface i think particularly uh, the great escape i enjoy listening to now because uh, being a big blur fan you know i've read all the books Stuart mcconey wrote an excellent biography of blur by the way which has got quite a lot of age to it now as it came out when 13 came out in 1999 but it's worth reading because they were basically a band at the point of breaking down and when you listen to the great escape it's so strange. It's such a strange record. It sounds like a band going mad. And it's, it is interesting as a result of that, really. But yes, I would recommend, if you've got time on your hands, to dig into the back catalogue of Blur because there's a lot There's a lot there and there's a lot beyond the singles, which I think is really worth a listen. Well, we've certainly all got time on our hands, there's no doubt um, about that. Yes, absolutely. A couple of months ago, uh, before the whole staying in thing, I was walking through the... the... <laughs> yeah, that, that old thing, yeah. yeah. I was walking through the doors of a, a local hotel where the, where the family just had lunch and standing outside waiting, I think for a taxi, was a bloke, maybe about 35 to 40. Mm-hmm. And I blurted out, oh, what a lovely jacket, because it was a black... <laughs> Bless black, you, Richard. Yeah, black sort of steampunk sort of affair with... Um, Kind of echoes of the Beatles Sergeant Pepper jackets with ornate stitching and large buttonholes. It looked really great. And luckily, you know, he was really delighted and said, oh, thank you very much, with a broad smile. But one of my family said, well, good job he he liked what you said. Um, And this made me think, well, what business was it of mine to comment on his jacket at all? And it's nothing to do with um, me, really, what a stranger's wearing. And he might even have thought, you know, I was being sarcastic and punched me in the gob. So, but, you know, I and, I don't know, maybe most of us, we're wired to try and say nice things to people, but compliments can go wrong. As you've discovered, Jules, looking particularly at uh, the reaction of Kristen Scott Thomas. 
Yes, indeed. I, I I mean, I'm happy to go on record and say I love Kristen Scott Thomas with every every kind of fibre of my being and anybody with any sense does, really. Um, I don't judge myself and I shouldn't be judged for feeling that way. I judge others for not feeling that way about KST. Mm. I think she's an absolute dude. And um, yeah, like you say, we are, we are you know, hardwired and encouraged to compliment people. I Years, before we get on to KST, years and years ago, I my first ever job as a very green 18 year old was a student holiday it was a summer and christmas job working for marks and spencers in uh, in my hometown of hastings in the in the the, the shop in the shopping center here and i remember we had to do a training video at the beginning and it really was a video then i think this was slightly pre-dvds being really kind of they literally wheeled a telly in with a vhs in it and uh, we had to watch you know customer service videos because i because i didn't work on there was there was different there was two halves to this it was a store of two halves brian there was um there was the sort of the food end there was the food hall and then there was sort of textiles it was known and I was on textiles and the speed of life in textiles was much slower than the absolute bedlam that was sitting on a checkout in foods mm. occasionally I used to get bust down there if they had an injury crisis and the days would just fly by you'd be sat on, on you'd be plonked onto a checkout at 12 o'clock and next thing you know someone would tap you on the shoulder and say it's your tea break now and it would be 10 to 3 or something mm. it was wild whereas textiles was much more sedate as a result of which you have more time to uh, if you pardon the foodie pun, butter people up. And part of this, uh, part of this uh, video was they actually told you to try and find something about the customer to compliment. So you would say, "Oh, that's a nice bag," or "Oh, I like your your top," or something like that. In the in the sense of in the hope that it would make them feel happy and flattered and prioritised, and they'd either want to come back and or spend more money. I think that was the ultimate goal. So so it's something that is not only is innate within us and is is sort of trained into people. Um, however, as you say, this sounds like a Channel Five documentary when compliments go wrong. It's um, it is very easy for a compliment to be backhanded if compliments are sincere if they're clumsy but sincere then you think oh it's oh you know it's, it's fine i understand that but there is a danger that we stray into abigail's party territory here now and i think i think that the alison's devon as bev one of the great fictional monsters of our time i think simply because she's just i mean she is a walking she's patag in a long dress isn't she really that's 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 the human form of patag and you know i remember my mum trying to explain this because my mum's friend had a friend who I won't name on here but who was often compared to Alison Stebbins and Abigail's party and I remember saying to my mum as a sort of a teenager well what does that mean then before I'd seen it and she went well it's she said it's like um you know she'll say oh I've always liked that dress on you which which means that you know yes. you've worn that dress before there's always a kind of a slight edge to it there's a sort of a slight twist to it and uh, Kristen Scott Thomas um has found the same here when she says she's fed up of people complimenting her um sort of uh, any suggestion of surprise around age particularly mm. you look great for 55 um it's Kristen Scott Thomas told the radio times my much loved publication earlier this week i'm fed up of having to say thank you when someone says I've still got it and uh, Zoe Williams quite rightly sums this up in the way I would by saying the correct compliment for Scott Thomas by the way is to fall on your knees and say you are everything for she is everything which is very true but the, the phrase that's used for it and there's a particular context in which this is used it's often used on these te- are not terrible they're not all terrible dating websites but some of the particularly difficult apps like you know tinder and things like that that really are sort of you know smash and grab um something called negging which is which is usually given it's a sort of a compliment that's given from men towards women but there's a kind of um it's a kind of a it's a sort of a it's a it's a one two it's a kind of a, oh that's really good but there's something like there's something slightly wrong with it and sorry uh, williams sums it up here as you lady will be so thrilled by my partial desire that you'll be instantly looking for tips on how to increase it it's a bit kind of it's a sort of a, you know, it's a, it, it, she said, it makes people feel like they're on constant appraisal. So when you say, 
oh, you know, oh, you look great. Have you lost weight? That's basically saying, oh, you look better than you used to when you were fat. Make sure you don't go back to then. I mean, it's, 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 you know, there's, there's something really, I mean, if you, if you give a compliment that's without any kind of clarification or qualification at all, it is fab. It's lovely complimenting people, I think, and getting compliments. It's really, you know, it's a really nice thing and we should do it more. And I've been trying within the last month or two and I will ramp this up now particularly on social media just to say if i think something is good and say yeah i really like that i really like that piece of music you've made you know i think it's brilliant and just to be really kind of positive i think that it's always difficult to get the balance right between particularly in parenting i think as well between giving out pros when it isn't deserved and therefore right you know sort of uh, riding people for a fall if you see what i mean or you know, there's a difficult balance to get between to get that right, or just not to give a compliment at all. So, so I think yes, it is. It is a bit of a minefield. But as long as we think carefully about the compliments we give and just make them unqualified, you know, just think, think, think things through. I think before we say them. And and your compliment was 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 given correctly and received correctly because you didn't have any agenda in that compliment. You thought he had a really nice jacket on and you mm. told him and he was really pleased. And that's exactly how compliments should be given. And I think if, if you can compliment people on, I think, I think the key to that is that you weren't complimenting him on something to do with him. You didn't say, oh, he had nice hair or he'd lost weight or something. What you basically said was, that's a really good jacket that you've chosen to wear. I really like that. It looks really good. And that's and that's you know and that's that that's a, that's a positive thing. You've kind of taken the personal out of it, and you can both go, yeah, this is a really nice jacket, isn't it? It's an object, isn't it? So so yeah, it's mm. it's a tricky one. But I do I wouldn't want people to give up completely, and uh, you know maybe we can cut people a bit of slack on the compliments they give. But equally, the, it, it's it's very easy for it to go into the territory of kind of passag negging that sort of thing. It is a tightrope. There is uh, that form of passive aggressiveness. I was thinking about, you know, you look great for your age, as as you've been talking about, Christopher Thomas. And, uh, um, you know, oh, lovely new hairstyle uh, suits you much better. You know, sort of inferring that you look like a scarecrow before, you know. (laughs) Or, you know, I was thinking of another one, you know, oh, you're studying philosophy, politics and economics. I, I never thought you'd go for such a difficult degree. You know, again, uh, implying that you, you thought the yeah, person's absolutely. a moron. But um, there can be a bit <laughs> of a, there can be a bit of a me too element uh, to all this as well. There's a mm-hmm. bloke, there's a news anchor in America, uh, Chris Matthews. Uh, he had to recently quit his role at MSNBC after stories came out about complaints made about comments he made about female guests in the. Um, makeup rooms before they came on onto the tv and initially he tried to say he was giving compliments which those Mm. that were reported walked you know precarious tightrope like we were saying between backhanded compliments and verbal harassment uh and in the end when you know when you saw them that you know it was it was just going too far but it it is very difficult even um trying to be nice saying you know oh, you look lovely. Well, should we be judging or making comment on how someone looks at all? And it it might be quite a change in social conventions, but maybe we shouldn't comment at all because one person's compliment might be another's insult. Maybe, although I think there is a way of just doing it without... I think there is a way of, of doing it without... And I think that the key to it is just not having a qualifier, just mm. not just, just saying that looks great on you. You know, yeah. that's that's just, a, you know, just or just saying, you know, I really like that haircut on you. It re- Rather than saying, oh, it suits you much better, just say it really mm-hmm. suits you. You look great. You know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it looks fantastic. Or you did that really well. You know, or, or, it, you know, stuff like that, I think. I think it is possible and important to compliment people and to make people feel appreciated without necessarily, you know, referring to other things. Or, or, or I think when people leave that kind of twist in, you always feel like you're not doing, you're not, you're not complimenting me to make me feel good. You're complimenting me to make yourself feel good by making me feel slightly inferior. And I think it's really... I find that really frustrating. So, uh, so I think it is. I think, yeah, like you say, it is the nervousness around it makes it would make it very easy just to completely withdraw from complimenting people. But I think it's important that we try and do it. Just you know, as they say, just 
don't just don't be an idiot. This is this is just the, the rule for life generally. It's uh, I, I, some people are so you know idiotic and unpleasant about things. You feel like saying it is surely easier not to be an idiot in that situation. The effort that you've had to put into to do something idiotic, why not you know knit instead or something mm. or do something productive? I just don't I don't get it at all. It's nuts. I've just thought of, um, very quickly, the most catastrophic example I can remember now. It's just come back to me. Um, the, the Yorkshire woman that lived with me and then decided that rather than live with me, she'd rather go back to Yorkshire. Uh, that Honestly, I mean, there is so, so so much wrong with that decision. But anyway, carry on. Yes, she'll have to live with that decision, I suppose. Yeah. Um, with anyway. apologies to all of our listeners in Yorkshire, by the way, was, who I've just, you know, slighted. Apologies. She was coming out of work one day and a uh, security guard who was on the door said to her, Oh, you're looking radiant. When is the baby due? Oh, no! She she went on a a fitness routine after that. She went out running every night. She joined a gym. And um, she had to say to the bloke, I'm I'm, I'm not uh, expecting. I've just put a bit of weight on. And, of course, all parties completely mortified. Absolutely. And that's that's why, you know, that is something that's... Unless someone is is eight and a half months pregnant, I would never, ever comment on the fact that they are pregnant unless they have a baby on board badge like they do you know those days that people used to get the tube um they uh yeah unless they have one of those or, or yes. something they all they loudly about the fact they're having a baby i just don't go there because the the potential for disaster is um enormous if you pardon the pun yeah. coming right up happy birthday kid a What's uh, the i would radiohead I made a cake, but, you know, I can't do anything with my life now. So, uh, anyway, I'm sure Tommy will forget over it. Uh, That's right, after this lovely track from Lily and Madeleine.
This is uh, sisters Lily and Madeleine Jerkovitz from Indianapolis. It's from an excellent album released last year from the album Canterbury Girls, Lily and Madeleine, and Can't Help the Way I Feel. I, I love it when you get really into something and treat us all to your own rendition. I think that is excellent. I haven't caught up with that album yet. I do really like Lily and Madeleine. Mm. I've liked them for, you know, for several years, but I just that passed me by for some reason because I think we talked about this on the pod before. There is so much music oh, that re- that's released nowadays, even by bands that you really like. It's almost impossible to keep up with the bus. So, uh, so I will definitely be checking that out because I enjoyed that very much. Something you said last week really struck a note with me. Um, you were talking about how you heard some acts appearing at Glastonbury on the radio and then how disappointed you were when you later saw the same set on the television. Yes. And that's, the sound mix was awful. And mm. this, this reminded me of a couple of summers ago when I was making snarky comments about Radiohead live at Glastonbury. Oh, yes. And I wasn't fam- very familiar with their music and Tom York kept mumbling between the songs and most crucially, <laughs> the sound mix was terrible and several people picked me up on my snarking on twitter and i I said later and i still do that i learned from that i was ill-informed you genuinely did and that's that's one of the things that i admire about you you know you you took that you genuinely took that on board and i think that's fab yeah i lack knowledge and experience of radiohead it wasn't the best introduction i have to say but i've come to admire (laughs) yes i don't i don't disagree (laughs) yeah i've come to admire their pioneering and sort of experimental spirit and this year sees the 20th anniversary of the album that took them down a a very radical path very different to their previous work as kid a reaches its 20th birthday this year may i ask you jules what's the deal with radiohead well, you see, I, the fact that it's the 20th anniversary, I bought Kid A on the day it came out from my local Virgin Megastore, I think, as then was. And and so what I'm basically saying is, what do you mean I'm not a teenager anymore, Terence? What? No. But um, I know it's distressing, isn't it? But um, but yeah, I so I, I am a not exactly a lifelong Radiohead fan, but certainly since my mid-teens, when when my my friend at school used to lend me albums all the time, we got ve- I got very into Radiohead because her older siblings have got her into Radiohead from the beginning, and I just like you say, I love the fact that they became the biggest rock band in the world, and they were seen. They 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 sold records to younger people as well as older people, but was seen as a serious rock band. So it was the sort of thing which my dad hates Radiohead, but but it's the sort of thing that you can imagine teenagers and their dads both liking, if you see what I mean. It's sort of serious rock, and they were the biggest serious rock band in the world. OK Computer is such a such an out there record, yet is is mainstream enough to have really kind of hit big. It was one of those unusual records that was as critically acclaimed as it was popular, and vice versa. It would seem, you know, normal tours but it didn't seem to bring them much happiness and the uh, the tour film meeting people is easy is worth a watch possibly through your through your fingers but it's a it's a it's a pretty incredible tour film of tom york just basically being driven to almost madness really and they then so they could have just made they just they could have kept on making versions of okay computer that would have been so easy for them to do and i suspect that their record company parlophone who are i think of the of the emi group were at the more encouraging and and out there end of the major label scale i think i think they were broadly supportive of them but i'm sure that parlophone would have wanted another three okay computers probably but but Radiohead, Tom York was at the point where he was almost basically at the point of a breakdown, and that is patently obvious in this film. And so they decided they would make, or he decided really, that he would make this bizarre experiment, bizarrely experimental record that, you know, parts of it are bordering on free jazz. I mean, it's it's really out there. And to be fair to Parlophone, they wore it. I mean, they many record labels might have dropped them, but they didn't. You know, they, they let them bring it out. And of course, I remember getting it home thinking, oh, I wonder what it's going to be like and of course it was nothing like what I thought it would be but it's one of those records that once it gets its claws into you I think it's an incredibly brave record and I think I think it's really interesting it doesn't quite it I mean they they the later records they made after that I think are probably better albums I think In Rainbows is a better record than than Kid A I even think Amnesiac's got some brilliant moments on it just straight afterwards I mean I you know I love 
Radiohead's constant pioneering spirit, as you say, the fact they played with formats, the fact they gave away an album for free, which I can't imagine any their I think they'd left Parlophone at that point. I can't imagine Parlophone being thrilled if that happens. But um, they did eventually in Rainbows eventually got a release on XL, I think. But um, they, you know, Tom York does solo records. He releases albums on BitTorrent. You know, they 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 plough their own furrow. I suspect that. The success of the Benz and OK Computer particularly have have set them up for life. But I admire the fact that they, rather than, you know, just continually making the same records to keep them all in the lifestyle to which they've become accustomed, they continue to do things that are really envelope pushing and really interesting. And I think that Kid A is a, is a fascinating record to listen to if you keep that context in mind, if you keep the context in mind that that really wasn't a record that they had to make at that point when they were at their absolute zenith. But I think that that sometimes you get these bands, especially if they have an alternative spirit about them. I think PJ Harvey had a, a similar experience. Ironically, Tom York sang on a, a couple of songs on her, her most... I think it's her most commercially successful album to date, Storage in the City, Storage in the Sea, which, as she put it, is pop by PJ Harvey's standards, which is possibly not pop by anybody else's standards, but it's her most mainstream rock record. And it was incredibly successful. It won the Mercury Music Prize. It sold loads as well, um, more than most of her, her. I mean, Is This Desire before that was very out there and didn't really, as she put it, not not a lot of people liked it, not a lot of people bought it, but she was very fond of it. And uh, Storage in the City was enormous. And she admitted afterwards she was incredibly thrown by that un- unexpected level of success. I mean, she said she wanted to make a beautifully, a beautiful kind of pop reverby record, but I don't think she she made it because she wanted to. She didn't necessarily make it because I think she wanted to prove to herself she could do it. She didn't really expect it to be enormously commercially successful, which by her standards it was. And then she made a very scrappy record afterwards called Uh Her Her, because as she said, she wanted to run as far away from that as possible. And maybe there was an element of this here that you know having made a really you know a really melodic and competent album in OK Computer Tom York was so freaked out by the level of arena tour style success and and the whole circus that comes with that and I think that the tour film was really good at showing the circus that surrounds you the media circus and everything um maybe you know they just wanted to they wanted to move away from that and I in a way I do admire that because it's not the although you might say oh well it sounds ungracious it's not the easy option to take particularly when the pressure on you from your label and from everyone around you to keep to keep you know keep keep them in fancy dinners is probably enormous so so there are many things to admire about Kid A as a record but if anything the context makes it even more admirable I think. Oh, I listened to Kid A as an album in its entirety this week, and mm. I wouldn't be truthful if I didn't say I found it a bit of a challenge. But then, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. that's fair enough, yeah. But then I thought about some of the paths Todd Rundgren, my hero, if you like, has taken over the mm. years and mm. realised that, you know, like, like you were saying about PJ Harvey there, we must accept and acknowledge that artists must head in any direction that suits them. And uh, as I say, Radiohead, they're relatively unknown to me so um, it's my fault I know so I then listened to the album that preceded Kid A by I think three years OK Computer you mentioned it there I'd mm. never heard it in full before but I really enjoyed it sitting indoors in isolation rather melancholy set of songs it appealed to me but I think that was the key it was a set of songs to my untutored ears Kid A was more of a sort of soundscape a series yes. of moods kind of drawn in sound yes and absolutely again and 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 listen and uh appreciate it but uh, yeah happy birthday kid a eh? absolutely and you're right and there i mean i have to say that that i love radiohead and I, you know so many of their battle back catalog has such riches in it i really do think it does but even i would be uh, would be challenged to present tree fingers from kid a as a as a great song as it was it a, a review said literally nothing happens in tree fingers and not even to the point where it builds up a, a, a groove it sounds like the inside of a shopping center all kind of echoey and tinkly for about three and a half minutes and then stops. And and similarly, there is a, yes another PJ Harvey comparison here is that in the uh her the record that sort of follows um, the incredibly melodic and together sort of um, uh, yeah for Doors in the City has a track on it called Seagulls um, on a uh her which is ninety seconds of seagull noises and then stops. So um, so so yeah, there is a little bit of kind of you know 
I, I, there's a little bit of scrabbling around, perhaps. You, uncharitable people might argue, but but yeah, like like you say, Kid A is a, it works as a whole album. I think. I mean, I think like a computer does, but I see the point that you're making. That Kid A is a is a sort of a is a kind of a soundscape, really. And that is uh, the most recent, by the way, Moon Shaped Pool, which is what they were ostensibly touring when they played at Glastonbury. Yes. Uh, the, 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 um, I think I picked full stop from that to play on the podcast, and you texted me and went, "This is really good." And I went, "Yeah, they played that when you were watching them at Glastonbury, exactly. which just goes to show yeah. the yeah. the quality of the sound did not present them at their terrible. best. Terrible. Uh, well, it, it was wasn't. Awful. It wasn't great, which is a shame, really, because I because you know I still think they're making great records. Mm. But yeah, happy birthday, Kid A. You uh you bizarre thing. You big fan. Uh, we're very grateful for you listening in these strange times. So thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I mean, you might not have much else to do, but thank you for picking us still. That is really nice. Thanks also to Hilly and Rona. I, I should say long-term listeners may recall that Rona lives somewhat remotely. And I chatted with her by text um, uh, a couple of days ago, and she's fine. So Excellent. Anyway. That is good news. So big up to the Rona Massive. Hello. A track from Kid A then to play us out, Jules. Yes, I, I, you asked me if I if I would consider picking something from Kid A, which I'm always happy to do anyway. And I think I might have picked my favourite track from Kid A is Everything in Its Right Place. And I was tempted to pick that, but I think I might have picked it before on the podcast. By the way, it's worth listening to um, I Might Be Wrong, which is an extended EP of live recordings taken from Kid A and Amnesiac, the, the album that followed very quickly after Kid A. And it's, they're treated as sort of two halves of the same album, actually. So it might be worth you listening to Amnesiac. Um, to Kid A and then Amnesiac to kind of compare the two because I think it might they might make sense as a double album if you see what I mean. Mm. But um, so so this album's got I might be wrong has got you know combos of, of, of live performances of both and I think that is worth a listen as a sort of a good summary really. And some of the live versions ironically are much better. But anyway, okay, I I've decided I picked. I decided to pick this, and, and this is another example of why um, Kid A and Amnesiac are, are good kind of companion albums to each other. This song features in two different versions, one on each album. Mm. It's the one track that, that unites both of the albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I much prefer this version than, rather than, than the new version on Amnesiac, so I've picked this because I think it suits the current mood very well. It's very soothing and a very beautiful and pretty track, but there is something slightly on edge about it, and I think that's how we're all feeling a bit at the moment. So uh, from the album Kid A, this is Radiohead and Morning Bell.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>